Hey, uh, welcome. We're so glad you guys are here. And uh, if you've been around church a long time or you followed Jesus for any amount of time, you'll get to the point in your life where he's going to ask you to do something that could appear foolish on the surface. It might not make sense. It might, might be weird or a little bit crazy. And even, dare I say, irresponsible at times. Because it's just, I, I don't know, it's just one of those things. So uh, let me put it this way. When I was in high school, getting ready for college, my parents, um, the church we grew up at, they were having a, a building campaign. They were going to finish out the church campus. And so uh, this is the church I was, I was born and raised in, and I'm, I'm forever grateful, except for this, this one thing, and I'll, I'll tell you in a moment. Um, forever grateful. And so my, my parents were always involved. My mom worked there part-time uh, in the office on and off again, just kind of throughout my growing up years. My dad was on the elder board a lot. So we're, we're invested in this church I grew up in. And uh, they come to the building campaign. So my parents did what they've always done is they come together and they pray and they say, okay, Lord, what level of involvement would you have for us? Uh, And my parents got very involved, involved to the point where they took my college fund and they gave it to the building campaign because they felt like the Lord had prompted them, had led them, had shown them, this is what you're supposed to do with the money that you've set aside for Steve to go to college. And I wanted to ask when I found this out, was it God or was it the pizza last night? How do you know? Because that's a really big decision. You can't just, you you know what I mean? Like you can't just wake up and go, here's what we're going to do. There's ramifications for this. And, but they prayed about it and they assured me that this is what the Lord told us to do. Now we justified it and we kind of said, okay, Lord, you're going to provide because that's what you do. So here's how, here's how this is going to work. Um, I, my first love in the world is music. Um, I've been drumming since the fourth grade. I've been in multiple like worship bands. I just, I just love music. And that was, that was my aim. That was my goal in life. I thought the idea of like hanging out with four or five dudes in a tour bus, just traveling the U S felt like heaven on earth for me. I just, I loved music and playing shows and concerts at night. Like that was, that was it. I had arrived. If that was my life, that'd be great. So my decision was, I'm not going to a, a typical university anyways, right? I'm going to graduate. I'm going to go to Citrus College. Who has? It's a junior college. It has a wonderful, amazing uh, music department. And so I get in there and do some drum lessons. And uh, Citrus College has a great connection with Hollywood, the recording industry. And they've helped launch uh, a handful of bands and, and plug musicians in uh, to record on albums. And I thought, this is what we're... This is it. This is the avenue that I take. And my parents are like, thank you, Jesus. He doesn't want to go to university. We're going to go this way. And this is incredibly affordable. We can do this. And I got to tell you, man, I showed up for the first day at Citrus. And I went in there and I absolutely hated it. Couldn't stand it. It felt like high school with ashtrays. It was just, it was the same thing like over and I'm like, didn't we just take this? I just, I just took this last semester. Why am I taking this class all over again? And I went to my parents and I said, look, I got to get out. I, I need to, I want to go to the other side of the wall, which is Azusa Pacific University, um, a private Christian college with a wonderful music program. Um, junior college, financially speaking, private Christian college, financially speaking. It was in, uh, they said, well, okay, you need to, uh, let's not transfer in the middle of the semester. Let's finish out the school year. So begrudgingly I did. And I said, my plan, I want to go, I want to hop the wall. I want to re-enroll. I want to get, not re-enroll. I want to enroll in Azusa Pacific University. This is what I want to do. This is my plan. And then they proceeded to tell me their plan with my college fund, which was to give it away to the church. Glory to God. Now, 
If you follow Jesus for any ounce of time, there will come a point in time in your life where he's going to ask you to do something crazy, something weird, something out of the ordinary, something where, where people will look at you and go, huh, really? And, and not just your neighbors or coworkers, but, but those inside your family may even look at you and go, huh, and it's in this moment in life where you have this decision, do I be obedient to God or do I sit back and logically work through this process and explain or justify my way out of this? And this, could, this is common for the Christian life and it can be challenging to follow Jesus and figure out what am I supposed to do? Is this from God or is this from the pizza? How do I know? Where do I begin? Which is why I love this series that we're in right now. It's called The Essentials. It's, we're trying to break this thing down, following Jesus into six Weeks, And I want to give you a review and then we'll jump off into this morning's conversation. So uh, here's a review of the essentials. Week one, we talked about grace. Grace is the foundation. It's everything. You are saved by God's grace. But grace also empowers you to live the Christian life, to love people that you struggle to love or <laughs> to love people that you struggle to love. That was hard. Number two is spiritual growth. God loves you so much that he accepts you and loves you as you are, but he loves you too much to let you stay that way. He wants to make you better week three we talked about worship how it is not only singing songs and proclaiming truth but it is a lifestyle it's how we think it's how we act and it's the words that we say um jesus wants our whole body all of us to worship him and week number four kurt talked about being gifted each and every one of us has, has spiritual gifts and we are gifted to serve these are the essentials and uh this morning we're going to talk about the fifth essential and it is this one right here generosity Okay, quiet. Now, I like everyone to feel really relaxed and comfortable in church, which is why I'm going to tell you what you're going to do with your personal finances. So sit back, relax, enjoy. Do you feel the tension in the room? That was dripping in sarcasm, by the way. See, anytime you talk about money, we have to talk about these two words that come up. Um, they're helpful words, but, well, they're informative. I don't know how much they're helpful. There's two words. One of them is guilt and the other one is shame. And as I define these words, you may define them a little bit differently, and that's okay. But uh, this is helpful. This is a lie from Satan, and it belongs in the pits of hell. Let me explain. Guilt. Guilt is helpful because it, it's a mirror. It shows you what is, what you have done. Listen, you have either ran the red light or you didn't. You are, you are guilty of running the red light or you're not. You either stole the candy bar or you didn't. You are guilty of theft or you're not. Shame sits here and says, this is an identity. If this is a mirror, shame is an identity. So shame would say, you ran the red light, therefore you're a horrible driver, and how dare you think that you could get behind the wheel? You're probably going to end up crashing and killing somebody. Shame sits here and says, you stole a candy bar? You're a horrible person. Why would anyone trust you with anything? God's not going to use you. He can't trust you. You're a horrible human being. Your coworkers can't even trust you. Do you, do you see how one, one can be helpful? It shows you what, what has done, what has taken place. And you see how this is horrible because it's an identity thing? Listen, listen, do not, simply because you have sin, do not, and you are guilty of sin, and I am guilty of sin, we are all guilty of sin, do not let shame creep in. Do not settle for the thought of, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. No, 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 no. You are a child of the Most High God. He loves you he sent his son for you yeah we're guilty of this and we're going to learn from this and we're going to get better from this but this but shame <laughs> no 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 
Shame is from the devil and it belongs in the pits of hell. Now, when we talk about our finances, we can be guilty of greed or generosity. And we're going to take guilt and we're going to set it on the shelf. We'll, we'll look at it once or twice throughout this morning's conversation. But shame, we're just get rid of that. We're going to throw that aside. We're not going to visit this. You can check back uh, the first week of this series. We'll talk about shame and we'll talk about the grace of God. But we're going we're gonna to hold on to guilt because guilt has its place, I think, as we define it. But we're going to talk about your money. So get really comfortable and excited about it. And don't worry, I'm not going to ask you to give your college fund to the church. Just your retirement. <laughs> kidding. Okay, so if you got a Bible, we, we always base this off of the Word of God. So if you have a Bible, go to 1 Timothy, 1 Timothy chapter 6. We'll pick it up in verse 17. So as you're flipping there, let me give you some context. Um, a guy named Paul is writing this letter to his protege, Timothy. He's saying, Timothy, as you are leading the church, you are a leader leading leaders. As you are doing this, here are some of the things I want you to cover, right? I want you to focus on false doctrine or false teachers. You need to correct the inadequate teachings that are happening in the church. I want you to talk about worship. I want you to talk about the role as a pastor. I want you to do all of these spiritual conversations. And then I find this fascinating. At the end of the letter, he talks about money. He's so concerned with all this spiritual stuff over here. And then he talks about, he gives this little nugget on money, on your finances. He goes, oh, and by the way, and tell the people to blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, all this spiritual doctrine, good theology, proper thinking, the way to worship God. Like, yeah. And then before we leave, a little thought on money. And it's as if to say that all of this is really important and your money is spiritual. And it says a lot about you and it says a lot about me and how we respond with our wallets. So get comfortable. Let's talk about some money. Are you ready? Kurt's ready. That's it. Just me and Kurt. Here we go. I'll let you know the tension if you're feeling it in the room and you're probably feeling it online as well. Uh, It was in the first service too. So this is totally normal. Just roll with me here. First Timothy chapter six, verse 17 says this. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain. 2008, anybody? COVID-19, anyone? Right, which is so uncertain. But to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our, what's that word? Help me out. Everything for our enjoyment. Not simply um, stewardship and responsibility and Christian duty, but enjoyment. God's given you stuff. He's given you money to enjoy it. Fun with money. Funny money. Enjoy. Why are we so stressed when it comes to our finances? That's a different conversation, but that struck a nerve. So just follow that away for a later time. So listen, I read this passage and I go, oh, thank you, Jesus. For a moment, I thought they were talking about me. Because it says, command those who are rich in this present world. That's not me. I'm a pastor. I got bills to pay. I got things to Come on. Rich in this present world. That's not me. That's, that's the other guy. That's the other family. That's, that's my neighbor because I know what they drive. And I see what they've done to their house. And when those garage doors open, I know what's in there. Garage doors, more than one. I know. Am I the only one? See, the truth is this. Um, we're, 
we're rich, we just don't feel like it. And the reason we don't feel like it is because we're comparing. Maybe you're on a cul-de-sac and you compare with the people on your cul-de-sac. Maybe it's a street. Maybe, maybe it's just the town of Linden. Maybe it's, it's Whatcom County. Like we're, we're comparing with one another. And as long as, look, I don't need to be in, in, in the 1%. Um, I, just need to be, I just need to be better than my neighbor. I just need to have a, a little bit, a little more. This, this is just me. I'm not saying it's you, but I, I do this and I don't like it. It feels, I don't dirty, maybe? I, I don't know. It just, <clears throat> see, we're rich. We just don't feel like it. And, and it used to be growing up, you would compete with the people at your school. Maybe not compete, but you would eyeball, you would judge. You, you know what I mean? It'd be the people at your school. And then as you get older, it's, it, you know, it's your neighborhood or it's your city. Um, but man, I feel for high school students growing up with social media because now it's, it's not just your neighborhood or your school. It's, you're competing with the world. <laughs> you're competing with the world. And you have a God who gives you everything for your enjoyment and we're not enjoying it and we're stressed out because so-and-so has this and I have that and they've got that thing over there. They're going on that trip. They're doing the things with the stuff and all that. And I'm competing with the world. And I'm not enjoying it. My finances... I. I'm stressed about it. And I, I, I know this train of, of thought, right? We're sitting here going, okay, like globally, I understand I'm rich. I, by the way, anyone have a car? Just out of curiosity, anyone have a car? You're rich. Anyone have two cars in their family? We're rich. I don't need to go through all the stats and all that globally, but we, we know this. We know this. But here's the thinking that I think we get caught up in. The thinking is, okay, God, I don't have a whole lot. So uh, once I get this, then I'll be able to fill in the blank. And just right now, God, like if you just be patient with me for a minute, like you know, you, COVID, God, you understand, you understand. But once I get here, then I'll be able to. And the, the, the problem is, the problem is that um, once you get here, you realize that here, it doesn't stay here. Here, here it keeps moving. Because when you get a raise, your, your lifestyle increases. And it's just, it's really difficult. And I, I'm convinced of this because I've seen it play out in my own life. Uh, my therapist says it's good for me to talk this stuff out, so I just do this on a weekly. Uh, once I get to, you're like, is he in therapy? I knew he was in therapy. <laughs> Relax, hang with me. Uh, it's a joke to try and ease the tension. Um, but the idea is simply this. Um, if you can't be generous with $1,000 how in the world are we going to be generous with $100,000? It, it's so difficult with that mindset of once I get this, then I'll be able to. And, and I had to come to the painful conclusion, since we're all friends here, I can tell you. Um, I, it's a secret sin that I didn't know I had uh, until I prepped for a sermon. And then I realized, oh, oh I totally have this. Um, greed. I'm greedy. Hi, my name is Steve. I like stuff, shiny stuff, expensive stuff. And I have some greed in me. And I, I know this to be true. And I think I'm not the only one because I'm an American. So I think by default, we all have a little greed. But the idea is this. Um, back in the day, do you remember when they released the iPhone? And then every year they released another one. And then they released another one. I remember having my cell phone contract sitting here going, okay, I got two years left on this bad boy and Apple releases another iPhone. And I'm like, ooh, okay, so I got to buy myself out of this iPhone so I can get the new iPhone. And then that's a two-year contract. And then I did it again the following year. 
because I needed the new one. Was there anything wrong with my old phone? No, but this new phone, whoo, it's got a better camera. It's faster. I don't know about you, but my picture, if you scroll through my history of photography, the camera has helped me. It hasn't helped at all. My pictures are terrible. I don't care what camera I'm using. They're just not good. But this one, you can, you can text faster with this one. The screen's bigger. I got to go get it. I got to get the next one. I got to get the next one because now my phone is faster than my iPad, which has a bigger screen. You know, it has a bigger screen and is faster as my laptop. And I have all these things to try and keep up. So I get my Apple watch. So I feel like I'm ahead of the curve. Hi, my name's Steve. I like stuff and I struggle with greed a little bit. And I'm looking back at this and Paul says, command those who are rich. That's me because I have multiple Apple products that I don't need. Now, guilt and shame. We're going to talk about guilt, shame, no shame, no shame, but I'm guilty of greed. And so the question I have for you is, how do you know if you're guilty of greed? And I think how we answer this is we tend to look at other people and we go, well, I'm not as greedy as that person because they fill in the blank. And on the flip side, how do you know if you're generous? Because, because uh, someone could write a check with two zeros and you're like, That's generous. How do you know? That could be cheap for them. Are you with me? Like that could, that that could be the change they found in their couch. And they go, here you go. Did my Christian duty. So it can't just be a dollar amount because that's relative. Because we all make different amounts of money. So how do you know? And I think God has given us a really good measure. He's given us a really good tool, a metric to use. And it's an old one, but I think it's a good one. It's called the tithe. And a tithe simply means 10%. So you take 10% of your money and you give it back to the Lord. See, it's an Old Testament law that Israel would take, uh, it would be their fields, their grain, their animal, their money, whatever it was, they would take 10% and they would bring it to the temple. They'd bring it to the church, if you will, and give it to the Lord because it wasn't theirs to begin with. It was God's. And so they give it back. And anytime we talk about the tithe, I already know what's coming up. People are like, oh, okay, well, you don't understand, Steve. That's an Old Testament thing, right? I'm a New Testament Christian walking in the grace and the freedom of God. Get those, oh, those tithe chains. Get those chains off of me. I'm walking in the grace of God. And I'm with you. I'm with you 100%. But uh, come on. Are are we going to use the grace of God to justify... (laughs) I'm going to say it, to justify um, our desire to not be generous. See, the grace of God is always, it's designed to empower us to do abundantly more than we could on our own. So, so we don't look at the tenth and go, thank God, I don't have to do that. I just have to give generously what I've decided in my heart and cheerfully. No, 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 no. You use the grace of God to sit there and say, I'm not bound by 10%. I can do more. Not in my own power, but by the grace of God, I can be even more generous with that. Now, there's a secret when it comes to generosity. And I'll I'll give you the secret. Let me give you number one in your notes, then I'll give you the secret. Okay? Number one says this. uh, Generosity defeats greed every time. When you feel greed rising up in your soul, do something generous. Boom. Defeated. When it rises up again, do something generous. Boom. It's defeated. Now, here's the secret. How do you actually do that? Paul, the same guy who's writing to Timothy, wrote to the Philippians. And you don't have to turn there. I'll read it for you. It's Philippians chapter 4. 
pick it up in verse 10. It says this, I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. Meaning Paul was like, hey, thank you so much for upping your yearly subscription and doing it. I know money has been tight and we're gonna work through it, but thanks for doing that. Verse 11, I am not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. Circle, underline, highlight, smiley face, arrow, that word content. I've learned to be content whatever the circumstances. He goes on, listen, verse 12. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in what. So here's the secret, ready? Um, I can do all this through him who gives me strength. And I love that because it's not Paul sitting here, like, you know, under my own strength. I'm just so disciplined. I can go and do this thing. He said, no, 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 no. By the grace of God, <laughs> by the grace of God, I have learned contentment. And friends, you know this. I know this. When you or I are content with our finances, with our level of living, we have margin in our budget and we have the ability to give out of the leftovers, out of the extra. But when you and I are not content, greed will sneak in and it will rob us of the joy of blessing and generosity. We're stuck with it. We can't do anything. So the secret is contentment. And the only way that we can do this on a consistent, ongoing basis is Jesus. See, the reason you and I, we struggle with with giving, with generosity... If in fact you do, some of you, you're like, I got the spiritual gift. I've got this on lockdown. I'm so glad you do. But for the rest of us, it starts with contentment and realizing that I do in fact have enough. I don't have all the ones, but I have enough. And out of the extra that I have, I can do abundantly more than I ever dreamed possible. And I can give that to God. Now, we struggle with this because we don't feel like we have extra. And, and some of us, we've been working for a long time and there is no margin. And we have this mindset that like, I've worked really hard for what little that I have. And I, I wanna free us of this thought because in, you know this as well. This isn't new to any of you. But number two in your notes, you know this, it all belongs to God. It's not my money. It's not your money. It's God's money. So uh, let me let me do it this way. I need a volunteer. Um, where, where's Rob? Where's Rob? Rob, come up, come up for a second, Rob. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Come on up. Would you guys give it up for Rob? Come on, give him up. So it all belongs to God. So we're gonna play uh, a, a little game. It's not really a game. Um, how you doing this morning? You good? Okay. I'm going to be generous and give you one hundred dollar bills. Just kidding, it's $100, but in $10 bills, you got real excited. Uh, keep me honest here, 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, 60. good, 70, 80, 90, 100. 100. This, uh, by the way, for those of you who are cynical in church, I've been there, don't worry about it, you're fine, uh, no shame. Uh, this is this is my money, this isn't church money, this isn't tithe money, I didn't reach into the offering, this is my money, my wife and I. Um, cause you know, something about not wanting to be a hypocrite in church and practicing what you preach, right? So we're going to talk about generosity. Um, this is my money. This is not your money, right? True story. True story. Okay. I'm going to, do you want, want me to count it again? Good. You good. Okay. I'm going to give you $100. So here you go. Thank you. 
Now, all I ask is that you give me back 10%. So $10. Thanks. Question. Was that difficult? No. Why wasn't it difficult? It wasn't my money. It's not your money. Now, last question. Um, because it's not your money, you, did, you didn't earn this. You just, you just showed up. You were here. Um, do, do you think it would be easier for you to go and bless other people above and beyond what you just gave me? Yeah, absolutely. Because it's a gift that I blessed you with, right? Would you give it up for Rob? Yeah. Thanks, man. Have a seat. No, 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 that's yours. That's yours. Um, do you... Do you see how this works? Kurt, a little handout. Like, come on, dude. <laughs> Be generous. <laughs> so you're going to tie that? You're going <laughs> to... Do you understand how, how easy it becomes when we have the right mindset? This isn't ours to begin with. I know you prayed the prayer to get the job. I know. I know you worked hard. You, you did your stuff. You made sure all of your ducks were in a row? I, I know. But who gave you the job? Who allowed it to happen? It is God. It's the grace of God. You say, no, no, no. I thought those thoughts, I put those actions, you know, I put those plans into in the action and I just, I'm a self-made. Well, who gave you the brain to think those thoughts and make it happen? My parents. Because they birthed me. Okay. Who gave you the oxygen to flow in your bloodstream to think those thoughts and to carry out all those actions? Like eventually you work this thing back and it's God. It's God. And so God is sitting here saying, I'm the God of your salvation, the God of your souls. You can trust me with your life, with your salvation. Will you trust me with 10% of your wallet? That's all he's saying. And when we understand that it's not mine to begin with, that it's his, oh, I'm freed to go and be more generous. Let me give you the third point, and we'll, we'll start closing. Number three, um, generosity is relational. It's not transactional. See, your finances, well, your finances are really about your faith. That's pretty good. Your finances are, are about your faith. Generosity is about your faith. It's not about your finances. Your, your finances and faith, those things are connected. This is a relationship between you and God. You're sitting here saying, thanks for salvation, thanks for heaven and eternity and all that and blessing my family and taking care of us. But my wallet, I'm, I'm going to hold on to what's mine. And Jesus is simply saying, hey, would you, would you just, would you trust me? Would you trust me to provide for you even financially? So here's what I want to do. I want to give you two things to try. You can pick one or the other or you can do both. But here's how we're going to apply this this week, church family. Are you ready? <laughs> I knew it. I knew it. Here, here's the first thing that I'm going to ask some of you to do. I'm going to ask some of you to increase your giving by 1%. 2020 has been a good year for you and your business. There are some, contrary to popular belief. You're doing well. And I'm going to ask you, would you consider increasing your giving by 1%? And here's why. Um, we're not trying to build a big building. We're not trying to get new fancy cars around here. We're trying to help a community that is hurting. And there are people that belong to our church family that are struggling right now. And I just wonder, could you trust God enough to increase your giving by 1% so that we, the church body that you belong to, we could go and bless and take care of other people? So maybe for you, maybe for you, this is your step this week, is to have a conversation with your spouse. And if you're single, is to have a conversation with the Lord, because this is relational. And look at your budget and go, I may, I may in fact have some margin where I can up my percentage 
just by 1%. Some of you, you're giving 10%, and that means I'm going to ask that you go to 11. Some of you, you've been coming here for a long time, and, and you don't give. So for you, you would give 1%. Start there. Trust him. For others of you, it'll be this step right here. This will be a one-time gift. You can give it to the church. You can give it to your neighbor. You can buy a cup of coffee for the car behind you. 2020 has been a tough year for you. I get it. I get it. But I just wonder, can you be generous? And if you're, you're giving 10% or you're at 5% or whatever, remember, no shame, no shame. But I wonder, could you just do a little extra and just trust God to fill in the gaps this week? Could you? Could you increase your giving by 1%? Some of you have had an amazing year. Others of you, it's been really, really hard. Could you do a one-time gift? It could be here. It could be to your neighbor. I, I don't care, quite frankly. But it is essential for you and I, if we follow Jesus, to exercise this generosity muscle. And we're going to be a congregation. We're going to be a church that is generous. So I'm going to ask that you pick one of those. Increase giving by 1% or you do a one-time gift to the church or to somebody. Because I don't want you to be enslaved to your money. I I want you to trust God and say, God, it doesn't make sense, but here we go. God wants to free you of that. He wants you to have control of your money and not to have your money have control over you. And the only way we do this is by being generous. So I told my parents I wanted to go to the Zeusa Pacific. And they prayed about it and they prayed about it. And over the summer, you know, when you, you pray about something and you, God, what should we give to the building campaign? And God speaks loudly and clearly, college fund. You expect that on the back end of that, you go, okay, God, like what, what are we going to do here with this one? You'd expect to hear from God loudly and clearly. <whistles> Silent. Okay, fall semester is approaching. It's approaching. What are we doing here? What are we doing? And on a normal, average, typical Sunday morning, there's a woman at church that simply says, hey, there's an opening in the admissions office at APU. You should think about applying. So you fast forward and my mom applies. My mom gets the job. And the small little detail, and by the way, the job allows me to go to APU. The small little detail that I left out there is um, if you're a student and your parent works at APU in any job, automatically they waive 50% of your tuition. And every year on top of that, they increase it by 10%. So run the numbers, do the math. By the time I was a senior at a private Christian university, 80% of my tuition was paid for. On top of that, the leftover 20% is what my parents were able to save and set aside, scholarships and an internship. Listen, my parents gave my college fund to the church and they said, God, I don't know how this is going to plan out, but I'm going to trust you. I went to a private Christian university and graduated with zero debt. This is, listen, this is not me bragging. This has everything to do with my family, with you, with me, with us trusting God with our money and go, it doesn't make sense. My spreadsheets, I've added everything up. I don't get it. But God's sitting here saying, would you just trust me? You will not lose. You will just trust me. I know it doesn't make sense, but I have provided a way. You just need to step into it. And it, and it starts with opening up your wallet and saying, God, you are Lord of my life and Lord of my wallet. I will trust you with these finances. We had no idea how this thing was going to play out, but God knew. 
And I don't know how it's going to play out in your life. I would be foolish of me to sit here and say, when you guys come home, open up your mailbox. There's a $100,000 check in there. What? That would be, parenthetically, like that would be amazing, wouldn't it? Okay, but back on it. Listen, the only way this stuff happens in our lives is when we step out in faith. And we do it. So I'm, I'm, I'm asking us, as a church, could we increase our giving by maybe 1%? Or could we do a one-time gift? You choose. You just pray. It's you and God. You decide. And then I want us to step back and watch what God does with it. Command those who are rich in this present world, that's us, not to be arrogant nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Father God, we come before you and that is the desire of this church. Lord, I pray that we would not put our hope and our trust and our security in our own hands, but we would put it in the hands of Jesus. May you be the Lord of our lives and the Lord of our wallets. And Father, for some people in this room, this has been a very tough year. And so, Lord, I ask that the generosity of your people, that your church would lift up those families, those individuals that are struggling right now. And Lord, may this be a point in time that those families, that those individuals who are hurting right now, who are going to be blessed in the weeks to come, Lord, would they look back at this moment and when they have walked through this, when they have pursued you and they have gotten to the other side and they're now in an opportunity to give, Lord, would you remind them of this and would you give them supernatural conversations with people where they can look out and they can bless others? Father, generosity is so essential. So this week, Lord, would you give us opportunities to be generous with the people we come in contact with? We pray this in the powerful name of Jesus Christ. And all God's people said, amen. Hey, would you stand with me as we sing one more song?